Well, welcome back to the Tom Bernard Show. Uh, to my left, we have... Ellie Nick. And Tony Price. And Andy Brant Bernard. And me, Cassie Schrader, filling in for Tom, yep. <laughs> at least attempting to. <laughs> Actually, well, when we come back, I'll have an announcement on that. Okay. On that matter. All right. Well, we'll be back um, after this break on the Tom Bernard Show. Walzer Automotive Group started in Minnesota over 60 years ago. Most people know something about the Walzer way. Upfront, no haggle pricing, work with one person from start to finish, or the free lifetime powertrain warranty on most vehicles sold in Minnesota. What you might not know is they are the only automotive group that is a member of the Keystone Club. They join such great Minnesota companies as General Mills, Target, Cargill, the Twins, Wolves, and Vikings in pledging 5% pre-tax profits to local charities. It's a great example of their core values. Do the right thing, display positive energy, be open-minded, and lead by example. So if you're in the market for a new or used car, check out walzer.com or stop into one of their dealerships. Please don't say, tell them Tommy sent you, because it sounds fake, and I hate it. Walzer Automotive Group, walzer.com. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt then talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company, and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. It's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? uh, Either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw and Bryant. No, this is not vanilla ice. That was my question. <laughs> no. That was my question. I'm kind of on a queen kick right now with that new movie coming out featuring, well, the life of Freddie Mercury. So, such a great song. Yeah, I'm interested in seeing that movie. Yeah, I heard, well, from what I've seen in the trailers, I mean. Yeah, I've the, seen the trailers. Oh, God, what is the actor's name that's. That's going to be tough pulling off Freddie Mercury, though. He was such a unique person and had so much characteristics stuff that he did that I don't know how they're going to pull that off. I mean, even even his, his facial expressions and the way he moved his mouth, I don't see how they're going to do it. CGI. Nah. <laughs> I mean, well, originally, I think it was. Is his name Sasha Baron Cohen, the yep. guy who did Borat? No, yeah. He was originally going to be Freddie Mercury in this movie, but I think there was like I can't con- see him doing it. Well, I think there was like it's called Bohemian Rhapsody. That's what it is. Um, of course I, it is. Yeah, I couldn't remember <laughs> if they titled it off of Bohemian Rhapsody or if it was titled something else. Did but, they give the guy prosthetic dentures so he had big teeth? I think so. Because he has this part of it. And it's part yeah. of Freddie's yeah. look. I mean, his teeth were too big for his mouth. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, Rami Malek, or Malik. Oh, yeah. Uh, he was in something recently. I know the name. Mike Myers is in it? Yeah, Mike Myers is in it. Oh, uh, wow. Oh, he's Mr. Robot. He was a bad casting decision. I'll tell you that already. Oh, really? Oh, I, yeah. I don't think I've seen him in anything else. But from what not talking about Rami or Mike Myers? <laughs> oh, I love Mike <laughs> Myers, although well, he's had I mean, a few bombs. If but... it's not casted right, it's going to stink. Yeah. Yeah, Rami, he was not a good choice, I don't think. Because casting's everything in those kind of movies. Uh-huh. You yeah. don't have somebody that hits it dead on. Well, it's like how the Han Solo movie. It's, it sucks. People just didn't, couldn't see him as Han Solo because he wasn't. See, yeah, now I, I always put the credit on the director. If the director can't pull off, if the director doesn't have a good vision of the story, that thing is going to suck, and it doesn't even matter who the actors are. Well, see, I I saw Sol, you know, Solo in the movie, in the movie theater, mm-hmm. and 
I'm a huge Star Wars fan. And the connection that I have with all the characters, I mean, I've had my whole life. So when I saw it, I had low expectations. On the movie itself, Ron Howard took over directing the movie. It was The movie was great. The storyline was great. But there was that disconnection with the actor who played Han because he's not Harrison Ford. Because mm-hmm. Harrison Ford is one of those actors that are bigger than the character itself. I mean, you cannot picture anybody else being Indiana Jones. You can't picture anyone else being Han Solo. I'm well, really surprised they didn't just put him in makeup to make him look like Harrison Ford, well, at least. I even posed the question, I, with today's technology and CGI and all that, like what they did with Kurt Russell in Ga- Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, yeah, they easily mm-hmm. could have done that. I almost would have rather seen Harrison Ford come in and have them digitally de-age him, him to play his part. And they could alter his voice where it sounded younger. I mean, I almost think I would have rather seen that. There is a couple of actors that I can't think of their names, but they could pull off Freddie Mercury. I'm surprised they didn't use somebody closer looking. I know. It's weird. He doesn't look really anything like Freddie Mercury. No, at all. Well, Well, as long uh, as they give him the big teeth. Apparently we are... Not having an easy time getting our guest on because, yeah, I haven't gotten any calls. I, yeah, I don't know what's going on. So until they figure that out. I, um, I have, like, I have had so many issues. Well, Dave, dealing with computers and updates, and I've just, I'm ready to throw in the towel and say I've had enough. I've I'm going off the grid for a week. I've thrown the towel on television. I don't watch television anymore. I, I don't, I don't have people. time. I'm months, I'm months in, no, zero television. Zero. I'm actually just right. putting my television together today. Actually. I'm no longer watching I watch TV every day, but I don't watch commercials. Oh, you got the I, old I, DVR? Well, yeah, I, I built a DVR out of a computer, so... Uh, oh, so re- you just basically record, like, Yeah, I, I tell I told it, time. like, four years ago what I wanted to watch. So every time those shows come on, it just records them, and I just kind of go mm-hmm. through. And, mm-hmm. and we have a lot of fun with that. Like, uh, my wife never watched Friends in the 90s. Yeah. Oh, I God, said, I love that show. But she, <laughs> but she just fell in love with... Um, uh, what's his name? Matt LeBlanc's new show, um, Man with a Plan. Oh, really? And my, so my wife just we just saw it and I just, at once, and she said, "Oh, this show is great." And I said, "You know, he used to be in another show." And she said, "What was that?" I think that show, that's <laughs> been canceled, though, hasn't it? Which yeah, one? Like Man with a Plan. I don't know. I think it's I haven't. I, I I don't know. The season just ended, so yeah, and we it, haven't seen the last one I yet. I think it can't got canceled. Well, that's unfortunate because yeah. we really liked it. But yes. anyway, so we started watching Friends, and I told it to record. It took like four days, and we had 200 episodes of Friends. I've been revisiting uh, a lot of old shows, mm-hmm. and I, I don't know. I don't think Friends holds the test of time now, to, for me anyway. Um, but I, I start watching all the original Cheers, starting with episode one. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. This, they still hold the test of time. Like Things on that show are relevant today. Mm-hmm. But Friends, was, things weren't really relevant to me anyway. Well, Friends is a rather juvenile. Yeah. Well, yeah. But, but Cheers actually is still, re- like, stuff they're talking about was like, wow, this was a long time ago. And it's, I love Cheers. Yeah, Cheers was. Pr- and even the spinoff of Cheers was Frasier. Yeah, uh, Frasier. Kelsey Frasier Grammer too. was phenomenal. Wasn't there another one, too? I don't know. Or was there a was... spinoff of Frasier? It, it seems like there's a few things. I don't think they ever spun off Frasier. No, it was just Cheers and Frasier that I know of. It seems like... That, I know, well, some, you know, I drink uh, a lot, you know, so my memory's playing spin-offs tricks Spinoffs on go back a long way. I mean, yeah, they all do. the family spun off the Jeffersons. Mm-hmm. And Maude. And, and, and Maude. Oh, mm-hmm. there was, actually. There was what? a uh, show called The Tortellis, apparently. Oh, yes, there was. Uh, the, Wait, that was from Spinoff of Cheers? Cheers, yeah. It was, it was, Car- it was the Waitress. The, Car- uh, Carla's family. Yeah. Or Loretta. Car- yeah. Or one of the two. No, it was Carla. Carla and, or Loretta. And her husband. Yeah, Carla. Her husband mm-hmm. came back to her. Yep. And I remember that show. That didn't last long, though. Oh, it was short-lived. No, it was mm-hmm. one season. Yeah, yeah short-lived In show. 1987. So, so. so a couple days ago, I started watching old reruns of WKRP in Cincinnati. Oh, that's a great show. <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot. That show is just a lot I of fun. I can't find... I can't... Like, I love... I loved... My, I remember being a kid and listening to my parents. Like the only time I've ever really heard them like laugh out loud for like till they cried was watching All in the Family. Mm-hmm. I can't find yeah. that show no, anywhere. It's impossible to find. Well, all in the I Family. On eBay for three hundred bucks. Well, eBay's yeah. got everything. But yes. that, why is it not yeah. on any channel? I don't, because uh, people would be afraid can. to like host it. 
Because people would start rioting when they heard, you know, what Archie says. Yeah, true. I but think he that's was, what it is. Sammy but he Davis was, Jr. But kisses Archie on the it, cheek. But he was saying it in a way to bring awareness. Uh, it doesn't matter. To yeah, there will be a news Norman article Lear about very... how you know problematic today, Archie is. Like and... seriously, today you can give somebody a compliment and they will find some oh, way to be Tr- offended by me. it. I, 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 just <laughs> post, I just post, have a fantastic day, and somebody will. Uh, Why is your day fantastic? Yeah, somebody, Nick? you know what right, I've been going some, through. Right, somebody comes back. I'm like, God, you can't say anything anymore. No, like, you're just you're just strapped down to a table and you can't say or do anything. I, I've just gotten to the point, especially with social media and all that i i don't even really go on it for my own personal use it's mostly for the radio show well i do i i actually do and i i'm very active on social media and i have to say at all my pages there's about a hundred thousand people but the people that have the most hard times they like to have something negative to say Happened to be for some reason all from Minnesota. Like my <laughs> my family, my people are all over, and people in other states aren't like that. It's just here. Yeah, well, it's because that's the aggressive, passive aggressive approach. <laughs> because they can still be anonymous on Twitter or whatever, and still get their digs. Oh yeah, in. you go to their page. There's no pictures of them. But if it's you just saw all them... cartoons or animals. Yeah, and then you go, you go to if you were ever to meet them in person, they'd be like, "Oh hi, how are yeah, you?" Of course. You'd be like, oh whatever. <laughs> I just I. I, I get so just I'm no it, I'm it, done. it, it makes me have like a, a sick pit in my stomach that, yeah that like you just like oh and I want it I want to be done with it like you yeah but it's, I don't know I it, I weigh the benefit the the pros and cons I've met so many great people through social mm-hmm. media and all over the world I, this girl Monica I met through social media me and Nancy went and visited her and her family in the Czech Republic and I met her on Instagram and her family was spectacular they took us all over Czech Republic and we were just great hosts I've met somebody in almost every country I've been to on social media mm-hmm. and then I go to their country and then hung out with them for a week and it's been a blast yeah and I don't know. To me, that pro is too great of a pro to give up social media. It, it it's it's a double edged sword. I mean, like I use it for promoting the podcast, and I use it a lot to help promote Dave's stuff when he does Midnight in the Desert um, and his podcast Beyond the Darkness. So I I'm constantly on it, but I, and I see a lot of the hate that he even gets on his side that you know he's a horrible host. But it's like. But then you have people are like, he's the best interviewer ever. And it's just like, where, how are people coming to these conclusions well, where they're so... It, it's, 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 it's the same thing for me. It's people either totally love me or they totally hate my guts. Mm-hmm. And they've never met me, never talked to me, but they hate my guts. But nobody knows how to give constructive criticism. No. If there's a topic that you, you just disagree with, that's fine. We're not saying you have to agree, but... To come out and just right out of the oh, gate... they go personal you. fast. Yeah. They go personal just, Okay, if you have a problem with something, just be constructive about it and say, you know, I disagree with this point because, and then be adult about it. Right. I mean, the stuff I see, it's just like, how miserable are you in your life that you have to just spew this oh, constantly? And it's usually the same people over yeah, and, and over and, again. And I, I know I'm an easy target and I put myself out there, so mm-hmm. it's, you're going to get it. You're yeah, going to get it. That's why, that's why Tom doesn't do social media because... He puts himself out there, and he's an easy target. Yeah, and I – well, that's how I got – I mean, I've been listening to Tom for 25 years since I was in, you know – I maybe... thought you were only 24. <laughs> <laughs> no, so I, even like when I was in ninth grade, I think I started listening. And, um, you know, and when social media came about and he got on Twitter and all that, that's how I finally got to actually have a personal connection with Tom – and it was great. I didn't even know who Tom was four years ago. Are you serious? Nope. And some, well, I'm not from Minnesota. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, and that's... somebody called me one day and said, hey, Tom Bernard's talking about you know, KQS right now. And I turned it on. And him and whoever his sidekick was at the time mm-hmm. were talking about me. And and somebody, they said, can you call, if you're listening or something, call in. And I called in. And that was. But, I mean, I have, I have <laughs> to give thanks to, like, Twitter and social media because if, that weren't the case back then when he was on it, and I understand why he got off. I probably wouldn't be sitting in this chair today. Sure, it's, well, it's, so, it's a great avenue to use. It's a mm-hmm. great tool to use. 
if you can take the abuse. Yes. It's like a gun. It's very powerful and very useful, but I wouldn't trust 90% of the people. That's a good analogy. <laughs> That's a good analogy. <laughs> I mean, I, I've, I've tweeted this out many times. Just because you have an opinion, it doesn't mean everybody needs to hear it. And I, and I think Twitter's more attackers than any, any other Oh, page. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's just, I, I just... I, I mean, only read the Donald Trump posts on Twitter, so I guess, <laughs> I guess that's what I can agree with you. all day long. I can agree with you. It's just an, one yeah, attack I think Twitter after is the most attacked for people because they are anonymous, 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can't see anything. You don't know their name. Facebook makes people use their real name. You know what city they yeah. live in. You know everything about them. Well, you can even get fake profiles on Facebook. You can. But They'll crack down on them, they, though. Yeah, they crack yeah. down on them. Twitter, they don't. They don't yeah. care. Yeah, it's it's yep. it's And in fact, those... Twitter doesn't even go after people who use Twitter maliciously. Like you can go around, you know, trying to expose people's, you know, real lives on the internet and sicking your attack dogs on them and Twitter doesn't care. Yeah. But Facebook will care if you Yeah, do Facebook that. will take them down. Yeah. Yeah, Which... but people are just they're so arrogant and ignorant they really when are it comes to yeah. social we media. even had people attack the gold star ride foundation on facebook are you serious yeah and then when i tried to respond to it they had blocked me and the organization <laughs> yeah. so yep. that's twitter it's, no that was facebook oh wow yeah so they the the person who decided to have bad things to say mm-hmm. was not open for rebuttal no they just want to get it out there <laughs> well, it, and then they'll yep. block my, my, you so yeah. you can't were you were you around when uh when uh, rocco was doing the show Yes. So Rocco will go. Rocco mediates a pro golfer. He used to be doing the show a lot. He'll go head to head with his attack. <laughs> yes. Like for months. And I'm like, and I told Rocco, it's just you're wasting your time. Yeah. How that much time person, did you have to that have person's to do that? not worth it. I said, you know what I do? I hit ban and delete. Ban and delete. Ban mm-hmm. and delete. Ban and delete. And I, I just that's it. I just delete their comment and I ban them for life. Like they can't get back. So that you're just giving them fuel, so they'll keep going after you if you if because they're trying to get attention through you. Yeah, so you might as well just delete them and try right. to befriend one of the other six billion people on the planet. Right. Exactly. Not, not like everyone needs to be your friend. Yeah. 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 I just ban, instantly ban them, and then anybody that they are in cahoots with, I ban them. Why? Well, what yeah. I what I try and do is I just try and do the simple approach where you know they just spout, spout hatred and stuff, and I'm like. Oh, I'm so sorry you feel that way. I kind of do and like I, the and, and that's what my, that's what Nancy <laughs> does. But I want to make this clear: I don't ban people for saying an opinion. Mm-hmm. I'll ban them the second they say something derogatory or they go personal. Yeah. Yeah, when it's clear if, that if they, they call are not me interested a name, in criticism, if they call me a name or say something personal, I instantly ban them. All right. Well, we got to take a quick break, so we'll be right back on the Tom Bernard Show. Hi, this is Tom. If you spend any time at the lake, you know how important it is to have the right dock. That's why you should know about flow docks. Flow docks are rock solid with double bracing to eliminate side-to-side sway. They're completely modular so you can configure them to your family's needs or add on as your family's needs grow. And get this, you can install, level, and remove your flow dock without even getting into the water. You see, Flo's passion to invent a better way to make life easier comes through in every product they make right down to flow boat lifts that are quieter, faster, and effortless to install and use. Are you starting to see a pattern here? Flow is about making things easy. My friends at Flow also told me that hockey star Ryan Suter bought a flow dock and lift as he wanted the best for his family. See for yourself why they say they've been perfecting leisure time since 1983. See them at com. Flow docks and lifts. A better way. It's Tom telling you how easy it's been for me to lose weight on the Nutramost weight loss plan. And now you can find out how to have success losing weight at Nutramost Twin Cities in Plymouth, just like me, at their free informational dinner on Monday, June 18th, 6 p.m. at Jake's in Plymouth. Those unwanted pounds will melt away really fast. I've lost over 55 pounds at Nutramost Twin Cities in Plymouth. After being educated on clean eating, finding out what foods my body prefers, and I now know the foods that are weight gain triggers. As I've said over and over again, the Nutramost weight loss plan is so easy, and they guarantee that you'll lose 20 pounds or more in just 40 days. There's no exercise, shots, drugs, prepackaged food. I'm never hungry. Nutramost Twin Cities in Plymouth has helped me change my life, and I know they can help you too. Call now to register for the Nutramost Twin Cities in Plymouth dinner. It is on June 18th. To register, call 763-333-7337. That's 763-333-7337. 
Well, about one hour ago, I have a new nephew. Aww. We don't know his name or anything else, really, but we'll just the birth him, has happened. We'll just call him Little Tommy, because mm-hmm. that's what he said. He's, he goes, I don't care what the name is. No, I asked, I, asked Al, I asked Alex, I said, I said, I said are you going to name your kids after anything after your grandparents or your parents? She said, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, Tom said, though, he doesn't care. He's calling him Little Tommy. But, you know, that, tra- <laughs> that tradition has gone away in America. Well, my, my real name is Winifred, yeah. which I'm named after my mother and my grandmother, and we were named after my grandfather, Winfred. So why don't you use that? Well, the, the funny thing is, I didn't know my name was Winifred till I was, like, seven years old. Okay. I, my mom and my dad always called me Cassie. And it stems from my middle name. So the short, the short version of your real name could be Winner, Winner, Winnie. Winnie, yeah. Well, Dave calls me Winnie. Yeah, that's a great so name. So that's that's why people get confused. They're like, I thought your name was Cassie. Why is everybody calling you Winnie? I'm like, well, Dave loves. I mean, I I would have been fine being called oh, I Winnie. I think Winnie's a great name. But my my see my mother, she went by Sissy. But she's Winifred. And what state? Then, where, where, where are you guys from? What state? My mom's from North Carolina. Oh, that's so why. Every, yeah. yeah, everybody yeah. down there. That's kind of a trend. They all have nicknames. Yeah. They don't go by their real name. Yeah. And my grandmother, she goes she goes by Jakey. Yeah. But she's a Winifred, too. So it's like, you know. And But that tradition is dying in America. People aren't naming their kids after their grandparents and their parents. Yeah, I mean, if I, had, if I were to have had a girl, I probably would have named her Winifred. But, I had a car once that I named after my great-grandmother. Did you? What was her name? Mabel. Oh, cute. I had a car that I named once. I only had one car that I named. Betsy. Betsy? It was a 63 Catalina, 2 plus 2. Oh, well, that is Betsy. Yeah, that's Betsy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a Betsy. That's a, yeah, Betsy. That's a Betsy. Yeah. That's the only vehicle I've ever owned that I named, now I, that I think about it. Why Why do guys do that? Why do they name their I, but cars I, but, but after I, women? But I've only named one car, which is weird. I've had so many cars in my life, but I've only named one. I've never I, named a motorcycle. When I was a teenager, I dated a girl who named her car Max. Oh, so it's, okay, I see. That's my so. youngest son's name is Max. <laughs> Well, when people call, like, I know it's a long-standing tradition to call ships, like, she. Like, yeah. You know, she handles well in a storm. It's like, why she? It's just, it's an it. Well, I think it has something to boat. do with the same reason why hurricanes were always she's. Yeah, they for were. For a long they time, were. they were all she's. <laughs> they were. The sea is female? Well, well I mean, mother, technically. Well, mother nature. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but what about Poseidon? You know, we're all just making this up at this point. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> But Mother, yeah, Mother Nature is the strongest thing in the world. Period. It's well, the strongest thing yeah. in the world. It is the world. It is the right. So that's, and that's somebody, why whenever somebody tells me that I gotta stop burning so much fuel because of global warming, I say I'll believe in global warming when you can get a group of ten guys to stand on the beach and redirect a hurricane. Yeah, no kidding. Well, actually, you know what? <laughs> I think they can do that now. They redirect have, a hurricane. Weather seeding. Yes, they yeah. do. They I have, mean, it's expensive, and they yeah. have technology that can do it. It's not even worth doing, but they but can they do can, it if they, they want. They can create rain. And yeah, they, they can, can stop then, rain. Then why are we worried about? Do you know climate back, change? Do you know back in in the sixties they were they were testing uh, atomic bombs in weather yeah. patterns. They bombing were, hurricanes. They were bombing yeah. hurricanes, man. They were dropping atomic bombs yep. inside hurricanes. Isn't of course, that the, the problem with heart program. That's something I'm else. That's Harp is some other Harp thing. Harp is something else. Yeah. yeah. But I thought they played a part in weather manipulation. Yeah, yeah. they do. They okay. Do. That was like something about sound waves manipulating the weather or something. I you know, know, in the beginning of the nuclear age, they thought we would be cooking with nuclear power. Like they had, they actually had a little nuclear oven, like you could cook your food in. Oh, in don't a we call that second. a microwave? No, in a split <laughs> second, like you cook your food and. They, they thought we were going to be all nuclear everything. Well, I mean, like, if you could trust the average person with nuclear material, electric cars, we would have had electric cars that could go, you know, 5,000 miles in a single charge, you know, long ago. But, you know, you well, can't trust the average person. We still can't make any money on it. The whole concept well, is how do we make more and more money? And the way to do that is to make a gas tank that runs out. Yeah, it's true. So it's, it's, it's just like cancer. Don't find a cure. Just find a Yeah, prolong. just find a more expensive pill. Yeah, something to prolong your life. But, you know, as, as uh, somebody who was a weather forecaster for the United States Navy, it's kind of weird to hear you guys talk about this. Oh, yeah, they dropped a nuclear bomb to redirect the weather. It's, yeah. it's kind of a, you know, they didn't tell us that in weather school. Oh. Well, uh, I mean, the problem but, with that is you drop a bomb in a hurricane and it spreads radioactive material <laughs> yeah. all over the place. Well, that's, so, no, that's, that's But I can understand how it would work because well, they, it, they, it's a lot of force, yeah. 
Well, the core of a hurricane is low pressure, and the mm-hmm. key to the effectiveness of an atomic weapon is the yeah, change of pressure. pressure. Wave. Well, we, we bombed some small island somewhere. Bikini Atoll? Yeah, Japan? It, 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 no, no, no. This, <laughs> well. this, this, not, this wasn't in war. And uh, that island was literally gone. didn't exist anymore. But fallout, this is the first time anybody used the word fallout. Fallout from that bombing... I believe, Andy, what, what it hit, uh, was it the Philippines, or where did that, what island was that? We decimated it, I mean, it was gone, it didn't exist anymore. I know Bikini Atoll is where they did a lot of That mushroom cloud nuclear... lasted 12 hours, 12 hours of a ball fire. Wow. 12 uh, hours. Oh, gosh, what That's was that? That's a big one. Yeah. What was that John Wayne movie, which one was it, where they filmed it in, was it Nevada or Arizona? Well, the most showing. It was about half of them. No, no, it was... Um, I, yeah, but there was only 260. No, but it was... A, but it was supposed to... Oh, gosh. Uh, yeah, that John Wayne movie, filming Nevada. No, it's the one where he played <laughs> you know like an Egyptian... He owned about 250 acres of Nevada, too. Yeah, yeah. what can I think of the movie? But yeah, the, a lot of the people that acted in that movie came down with cancer because that place was a nuclear fallout Fallout. area where and they were riding horses and it was kicking up all the dust you you know all through the midwest is 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 bombs uh silos you know they go all through north dakota i don't know if you've ever been in one but so there's one for sale right now conqueror yes the conqueror yeah that was the movie that a lot of the people that the people that worked on the movie um, and they think that's why John yeah. Wayne got cancer was because they were filming. Didn't have anything to do with this two packs a day. No. Well, yeah, yeah that didn't <laughs> but help. No, there were some people but there, who... Two there packs are, a day for 50 there, years. There are cancer cells in America, certain areas, that the rate of cancer is a thousand oh, times yeah. higher than anywhere else in America. Well, but apparently, mm-hmm. yeah, there is. there was a... The director died of cancer. Another guy had kidney cancer. A third guy got cancer who worked on the movie... Uh, let's see. The cast and crew totaled 220, and by 1980, which is about 20 years later, 91 of them had cancer. That's a lot. So, yeah. yeah. We're going to have to avoid that spot. But so, we when we go on motorcycle rides. A lot right, of so. stuff was tested in Nevada in the, in the oh, yeah. 50s and 60s. They did a, a lot. lot, like the Manhattan Project, I believe, was in. And, and they, they, there's, they still test aircraft in in that area mm-hmm. well so i mean you know what else are you going to do with miles of uninhabitable desert just yeah. nuke it i guess well it's kind of encro- blow it up actually uh, developments encroached that area so now they test still test planes over people's houses and stuff i mean it's it's yeah, encroached i wouldn't live there i remember used to fly into vegas and you could just see vegas as a little island of lights now it goes on forever yeah like it never stops like nevada's pretty populated now yeah, but yeah, I remember I watched a documentary on that. I'm like, wow, that is. I mean, granted, I think when was that movie filmed? 1956 or so. So it was right, but I think the the testing sites were. Oh yeah, here we go. Saint George, Utah, 137 miles downwind of a site where just a couple years earlier they had detonated 11 nuclear weapons. And that's just stuff that they're telling you about. (laughs) Imagine the stuff they did that they're not telling you about. Exactly. So what's the the half-life of nuclear fallout from 11 nuclear weapons? A lot. A lot. The dust that it it creates, it's... it's, Is it safe to go there yet? No. Well, Well, I mean... People are living in Chernobyl. Yeah. People live there now. The thing about nuclear material is it's not like the radiation that the bomb puts off stays around. It's like it's little particles of you know, like uranium that get mixed in with the dirt and that kind of thing that you can't really get rid of. So the dirt has a bunch of like uranium dust in it, and so that's I, what makes it. I went to Fukushima right after the the Fukushima power plant blew up. I did a, do- a video on Fukushima. It's called Finding Fukushima. You can find it on YouTube. Just put L.I. Nick Finding Fukushima. And <laughs> I'm sorry. I, Make sure to rate five and subscribe. I went. I went there and. They didn't have any big problems. No, they did a very good job cleaning that place up. And, I mean, that, that's the thing about a bomb will make a lot of radioactive dust that spreads everywhere. But a, a nuclear plant doesn't really do I mean, that. I, you didn't really see it. I mean, I was in a parking lot of all these, all the bikes that the people rode to the factory, and they were all just covered in vines, and I'm the only one there, and it's just me and crows. All these crows going, ah, ah. It was pretty eerie, man. Uh. But... I mean, it was eerie looking. I got to go in the where you're not allowed to go because they have a 12 mile no go zone. 
So uh, and you said I'm immune. It was eerie, but I had like you know one of those alert things on, you know, a sensor, and it never went above any mm. in any. I have an way. idea for you, Nick. We need to do a children's series book just about you, kind of like a Where's Waldo thing. <laughs> but <laughs> Where's Nick? <laughs> we'll just put you in a bunch of you know other people and like hidden pictures of Nick. I, I like doing hilarious. things that I like doing things that you're not normally going to do. Yeah, yeah you know, I'd like to go to Chernobyl if their flight wasn't, you know. I'll tell you, there's, a, there's an amusement park in Chernobyl, that, like Disney World. Yep. It's completely covered in vines, yep. and it is it is beautiful. Yeah, it I've is seen beautiful, pictures. spectacular. Yeah. I recommend people go to places like Chernobyl. It is just drop dead beautiful, but there is still nuclear waste in Chernobyl. Oh yeah, if you don't have try a Geiger to... counter; it will go off. Oh yeah, the elephant's foot. You can't even look at it. Yeah. If you look at it, you're dead. Yeah. So it's there is stuff there. Yep. But people are there's. I think last time I read there's. Twenty some thousand people living in Chernobyl. A lot of people never left. Yeah, yeah. And you can still walk into diners, and there's still like a peanut butter jelly sandwich on the counter that has zero mold. Yeah, because the nuclear like the killed everything. Won't even grow. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> John Tamney is with us. Oh, John Tamney is. Uh-huh. I think. Is this John? Yes, it is. It is. Oh, perfect. Yes, it's about sir. time. You guys, you kind of got the this B team John. today. Oh, different John. This Sorry. is a different John. <laughs> Sorry, John. Yeah. Oh. Well, yeah, Tom had to. I guess uh, you guys got got the B team. Well, yeah. Well, Tom. Uh, it's a C just, team. Just, uh, as long as I'm on a team, that's all I care about. As you're as you're hoping a for a different John. <laughs> no, yeah. Tom is normally in today, but his daughter just had his first grandson so about an hour ago yep about an hour ago so we're filling in for tom so he can spend time with his family and on top of that apparently our first guest had trouble getting into skype so his name was john that's why his name was also john yeah yeah there's a couple yeah that's a common name so let me just okay this john is on about something la nick knows uh why your passion can become your job yes it's a smart thing to do. Mm-hmm. Yes, well, that way you never have to go to work. That's right. Pretty much, I never have to go to work. Okay, well, John Tamney <laughs> uh, is promoting the book. Let's see, the end of the work: why your passion can become your job. And I think that's. Um, I I want to say you know most people I think they have the saying: if you love your job, you'll never work a day in your mm-hmm. life. So is that basically what you're basing your topic on? Is finding a passion. Whether, I mean, if you can be financially successful in it, that's great. But are you looking more for passion and just having something that you really care about and feel like you can make a difference? Uh, No. um, You know, it's interesting. Uh, The end of work is more making a statement that unlike in the past, I don't think finding your passion 25 years ago is very realistic. No. Let me Mm -hmm. give you just, just an example. When Bill Belichick got into coaching, um, even at the NFL level, assistant coaches were paid $25 a week. And so if you wanted to make what I consider the highly cerebral sport that is football your life back then, you know, it was probably a little bit irresponsible to do. Um, but fast forward to the present, and the first chapter of The End of Work argues that college football players should be allowed to major in college football. And I base this on the basic truth that on the NFL level, okay, it's a given, uh, assistants generally make a million plus per year. But what's fascinating about it right now is that Boise State's hardly a major conference school, but the assistant coaching pool, uh, salary pool there is over $2 million a year. Um, The average in, in the state of Georgia alone, there are 36 high school football coaches who earn over $100,000 a year. And so I'm saying that quite unlike the past, thanks to this boundless prosperity, what you're passionate about is a reasonable career choice, very mm-hmm. unlike what it used to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, based on the description, it mentions things like automation. And, you know, people are always, anytime there's a new wave of automation, people worry about jobs. And the thing about that is no one's dream is to ever work on an assembly line or, you know, they don't want to, they don't dream of working in a cannery. And that's the kind of job that automation is taking away. So it makes it more like the more jobs that are dream jobs exist because the non-dream jobs are being automated. 
Oh, you put it so well. You could have written my book. Is that exactly what <laughs> oh, I said? Oh, you could have written uh, your book. <laughs> I, I, I say that uh, robots will be the biggest job creators in history. Yeah. They're not going to put us in the bread lines. They're just going to make us passionate about work. Because you think about this evolution, you know, 150 years ago when you were born, you kind of knew what your future was. You were going to work six days a week, yep. whether you liked it or not, on the farm. Mm-hmm. And then these robots, primitive robots called fertilizer and tractors came along and freed humankind from the constant effort to create and raise food. But far from putting us into bread lines, it freed us up to cure diseases, to create cars, airplanes, computers, to entertain Imagine the world we live in today. It's a triumph of job destruction. And so where we're, where we're automating the most is naturally where opportunity is greatest, simply because people are free to avoid what they hate and they can specialize in what they love. Okay, well, John, we got to take a quick break. We'll be back in about 90 seconds, and then we'll uh, yeah, I got a bunch of stuff get to more de- yeah, delve into having your dream job and your passions. So we'll be right back here on the Tom Bernard Show. Excellent. We are here with Chris Lindahl. What's the latest? Chris Lindahl Real Estate, the real estate brokerage, is finally here. We've declared our innovation independence. Your innovation independence? <laughs> you're, you're dressed independently today, I will tell you that. That's you look good, man. You look great. <laughs> Thank you. And we also have something super exciting for KQ listeners. We are going to give away a free listing side commission now through June 29th. How does that work? So, so we're going to sell someone's house for free. What? Yeah. That's yep. pretty good. Yeah, and it's just a way of saying thank you. And KQRS has been amazingly supportive to the Chris Lindahl brand and now to Chris Lindahl Real Estate. It's a way for us to say thank you. It's also not a bare bones offer. So everything that Chris Lindahl does to get you top dollar for your house, we're still going to do. And we're going to do it potentially for free for one listener. Now, how do people get that done? How, how, how do they qualify for the – was it a drawing or what is it? Yep, so it's, so it's a drawing. So you can go to chrislindahl.com. That's Chris with a K. And you can click on the free listing side commission giveaway tab to sign up. Or you can call 763-401-SOLD. That is a wonderful thing. And when, uh, when do they need to do this buy? So the deadline is June 29th. June 29th. And how do they do it? They go to chrislindahl.com. That's Chris with a K or call 763-401-SOLD. And I just want to say thank you so much for all of the support during our transition. We're super excited and we're bringing innovation to another level. It is a wonderful thing. Chris Lindahl. Thank you. You're a good man. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. When you call Sabre for service, you'll get a certified technician that's an expert at diagnosing, repairing, and installing heating and air conditioning equipment. Sabre Techs give you the service you need, not the other stuff that you don't need. When you combine that with Sabre's A rating for customer service and the best equipment from Bryant, you get exactly what you need. So make the call to Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning today. Sabre and Bryant, whatever it takes. And we are back with John and his jobs. <laughs> and his jobs. <laughs> and his dream jobs. John, one thing I wanted to ask you, um, you know, with the automation and, you know, things like that happening here in the States, how is it with the jobs going overseas, like with uh, service centers and telemarketing and all that? Is that also alleviating? alleviating a lot of um, space for people to have their passions here as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, let's remember that if it were just about jobs, Mm -hmm. um, all we would have to do is abolish the ATM machine and the computer and the telephone. Mm -hmm. Um, We'd all all be working, and we'd be incredibly poor, but we'd all be working. And so anytime you can divide up work – just as it's good for the if the five of us were on an island, we would be more productive if we divided up work. We're much better off when we can divide up work with the rest of the world because it's not about job loss. It's just about specialization. And so people worry about China, and I say, think how much poorer we'd be without China. Um, mm-hmm. A billion people wanting to live like we do. I, I hope that they um, among those billion, there's 100 Steve Jobs because – Think about how our standards of living will mm-hmm. skyrocket as they divide up the work with us, and, but they also they create feverishly to meet our needs. Well, one thing I've noticed, too, and I've heard this from a lot of um, – because I'm not really the millennial generation. I'm right on the cusp, but a lot of people that are a little bit younger than me that have gone to college and tried to have these careers, it's hard for them to find something 
in the field that they you know went to school for and the pay that they want. It's almost impossible. Most people I know went to law school cannot get a job as a lawyer. Oh, Unf- really? Unfortunately, degrees are so common that they're almost useless at this point. So yeah. how does that stem with having you know your passion work and not like if somebody's coming just fresh out of college, how can they get to the point where they want to be passionate and be where they want to be? I mean, does it take 10 years? Is it taking um, just five years? Because I, I never went to college per se, but um, I, I just, what I'm confused is, is that it seems like a lot of these, um, I don't want to say minimum wage jobs are, you know, I mean, it almost seems like the people in college are having to take these, you know, minimum wage or something that's completely below their their level. And so I guess if they want to be passionate and want what is a best route for them to take in case if the uh, job market is saturated with a particular field or whether it's being a lawyer or doctor well, um, yeah, what I should first say is that happiness is hard. I think mm-hmm. happiness comes from hard work, but it's hard to find something that you're excited to do every day. And in mm-hmm. my case, um, I had to be laid off once. I had to be demoted once. Um, I had to take jobs to pay the bills so that I could become a writer. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, gl- I'm so glad I did it, but I point out in the book through my own story that you're not just going to fall into something that you love necessarily right away. It, it could be that you do that, um, but it, it's not necessarily. And so, you know, I took a job as a fundraiser for a nonprofit. I've done all sorts of things to make money so that I could eventually be paid to write. Um, in terms of college, uh, the chapter three of the book says that education isn't unimportant, but it's vastly overrated. I don't have mm-hmm. the book in front of me. I think that's, you know, when has it ever prepared you for the future? And it certainly can't prepare you now simply because we live in a dynamic economy where, where the nature of work is changing all the time for the better. And so what could they teach you? What could professors teach you about work? Um, if, if, they, if they could tell you the future of work, they wouldn't be professors. They'd be billionaires. And so uh, my take, and this is why the book is as much for parents as it is for kids, is don't worry about if, if your children don't particularly love school. The only thing you have to worry about is if, is if they lack passion, because we thankfully live in a time and place that you can combine the two. Mm-hmm. Now, in terms of the people who are struggling to find things, you're on the cusp of millennial. Okay, so I'm Generation X, so I got out of college in 1992, and they said the same things about my generation. Uh, there were movies made about us, and it's all in the book, uh, Reality Bites, Slackers, Singles. We were supposed to fold shirts at, the Ga- at Gap for Life. Because jobs were slim, and we were going to live mm-hmm. with our parents for life. Mm-hmm. And then the internet happened, and generation, the, the generation that was supposed to fail and be lazy created the internet boom. And why? We were the closest to uh, technology. We understood it. And so look at we became the richest generation in the history of the richest nation in the history of the world. Millennials are going to do the same thing. They're close to this technology in ways that no one else is. It's no mistake that Mark Zuckerberg is of the millennial generation. And so I don't worry about your cohorts. You guys, just like every past generation, because you're closest to the technology and because you'll get to more and more do what you love for work, are going. To, I don't fear that you'll be able to find stuff. All I'm saying is, is look out there. Happiness is hard, but when you find it, it's going to be amazing. And, and the nice thing about the U.S. is that the jobs are endless. Well, I think, too, with uh, the generation that's coming up now, I, I've been trying to teach my kids that because they're the instant gratification generation. That's what I call them. They want <laughs> I mean, they if they if they post something, they want, you know, somebody to like it right away. So, you know, I'm trying to teach them if you want if you find a passion or something, you, there are steps. You're not going to get there overnight. It's a lot of hard work. You're going to fail. But if you fail, that is a lesson learned, and you just learn how to not do that again. You know, so I think, I, I mean, I hope, I hope that generation can grasp that because my generation, we had to work. I mean, I, everything that I do, I try and do 110%, and if I can't do it, 
I find somebody that can. I don't say I will do it and just not do it. And that's a, I'm hoping that this next generation, if they can find something passionate, they know how to get to where they want to be without, you know what I'm saying? Nick, I mean, and without question, they will. I, mm-hmm. I think what's got to be remembered is if you go back to quite literally the 19th century, there was a book written then, or a little newsletter called A Message to Garcia. And everyone who's ever been in the military it was forced to read it. The guy, the businessman who wrote it is describing young people coming of age in the late 1890s. And he says they're imbecilic. They say that's not in my job description when they're told to do things. If someone, if we had changed the dates on the message to Garcia, one of the most read pamphlets in history, people would easily have said, oh, yeah, this was written last year. Yeah. Every generation is seen as spoiled and entitled. Every generation is seen as instant gratification. And what you're describing is mm-hmm. it's called economic progress. Naturally, every generation seems more entitled, seems more spoiled, simply because we keep evolving in the country where things get easier and easier. But what we also see is that each generation doesn't suddenly lose its work ethic. They just work in different ways. They work smarter. Again, I'm Generation X. We were supposed to live with our parents and underperform our parents. We knocked our parents out of the park. Mm-hmm. And mark my words, the, the millennials are going to get so filthy rich until they start looking down on the generation, I think it's Z that follows them, they start looking down on them and say, and say that they're lazy. This is this is a story told about every generation. But mm-hmm. the, are, you, are you basing this on the United States? Or? Yes. I travel a lot, so I see a big difference between workers in America and workers in other countries. To me, we have the most miserable workforce in, in the that, any country that I've been to. Now, I'm sure there's countries where people are more miserable in their workforce, like North Korea or something like that. But most of Europe, people love their jobs. Like, they do. They just love their jobs. Especially, I go to Italy a lot. Those people just love what they do. Mm-hmm. And everybody seems happier when they're at work more than they're when they're home. Like, they, they kind of want to be at work more than they want to be at home. Well, we're told that anyone can be a CEO if they try hard enough, which is not true. And then when people realize that, they just kind of give up. Well, I think, you know, I mean, like for Tom, for instance, I mean, where he is at today in radio, I mean, people think that it was just handed to him overnight. I mean, it took him a long time to get where he's at today. And I think people don't, when they see successful people, they look, they don't, look outside the box you just see them as successful and that they're lucky yeah they were born into this yeah people don't realize the the sacrifices and steps you have to make Mm -hmm. to get to a level of success and and but that but this is where people get confused and i might this you might say something about this in your book i like to read your book actually a lot of successful people doesn't make them happy. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. In fact, in fact, it's the opposite. The most successful people I know are the most miserable people I know. No, studies have shown that after about a hundred thousand dollars a year, happiness really doesn't increase with income. Well, uh, I hear you, and and I hear what you're saying about how people don't realize what it takes and everything uh, to succeed and all that. But I think in, in, in that Americans are supposedly miserable, but I think what's got to be remembered is that what we're also seeing today is that Americans, unlike most people anywhere in the world, generally don't take all their vacation allotment. And that's not because they're not secure in their jobs. Americans increasingly just love, love doing their jobs. And so it, that's interesting about Italy. But isn't it also interesting that people around the world continue to risk their lives to get to the United States? And you can rest assured they're not doing it because well, the, the they very, want to spin the, around. The, very, the very third world countries are, yes. Not, I mean, people who live in Poland aren't trying to come to the United States. People who live in Italy are not trying to come to the United States. People, you, don't, you don't think so? I know because so. I know they're, I'm, I'm there as much as I'm here. They're not trying to come here. Well, there's there's one or two that are still trying to come here. They're just harder to find. The Italians love living in Italy. They're they're the most proud people of their country that I've ever been to. 
So, so they like much slower economic growth. You know, I suppose. That, yeah, they listen. But it they, is, they isn't, call, they, isn't they leave it interesting work. how many Italian <laughs> descendants live here. Yeah. They leave and, work. They leave work at noon <laughs> and go drink wine till five p.m. and go back well, to work. And only that. half of them go back to day, work. Huh? So, uh, how, how do you not love that? <laughs> yeah, Every retail yeah, store yeah, closes yeah. at noon and doesn't open back up till five p.m. Well, speak. Yeah. I mean, speaking of immigrants. Um, have you done research and stuff to see um, that immigrants that are coming here, are they hitting that success point that you are stating in your book? Are they hitting those passions um, probably more so now than they did, let's say, 20 years ago? I haven't done empirical studies on it other than I would say, of course they are, and let me explain why. There's a reason people line up to get here. They're not, you know, the purest market signal in the world is where people migrate to for opportunity. The fact that so many want to get to the United States, and it's much harder to now, I think that's unfortunate. People are free to disagree with me, but the fact that people strive mightily to get here is a sign that this is where you can make it, um, that this is where poverty doesn't fester, but in fact, the U.S. is where poverty is cured. Now, certainly, if you look throughout history, is it any mistake that the U.S. is the most entrepreneurial country on Earth? I think not. We descend from the people who literally risk their lives crossing oceans and borders in order to get here, knowing that they're going to get here and not know the language, not have any security. They weren't coming here for security. They are coming here for economic freedom. So it's no surprise that descending from the people who left Europe, who left Asia, left South America, that we have the most entrepreneurial uh, society on earth, that the most innovative companies in the world are based here. Well, of course, they're generally started by immigrants, uh, and that tells you something. I would agree. In, in the past, that was the case, but you have to put into the, the consideration that life, lifetime welfare didn't exist then now you have lifetime welfare for your life till yeah. you die that didn't exist back then that exists now and you can come here and get it for life until you die uh, but that's not but but to, but to be fair if unless you're a citizen citizen for five years you're not eligible now there are going to be slippages there are going to be governments that that defy the law Minnesota, the Minnesota is, does Minneapolis oh, does oh, oh, only citizens, and, and if that were true, let's look at Mexico. Well, how many sanctuary cities are in America now that don't that can't ask you if you're a citizen? But, 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 but we're not talking about that. We're talking about inflows of people. And so if you look at Mexico as an interesting example, um, if, it were, if they were just coming here to get welfare, then what we would have seen, particularly from 2009 to 2014, would have been a huge surge of people crossing the border. But in fact, the opposite. There were more people leaving the United States for Mexico than crossing the border from Mexico into the United States. And it's a fairly – what was the common denominator over those five years? Pretty slow economic growth in the U.S. And so no doubt there are people who are cut to take advantage of social services. But it's, it's clear from the numbers, at least with Mexico, that they're most coming here for, for opportunity. When the economy booms, we're a magnet for people – when the economy sags, we repel them, sure. or we receive fewer of them. Sure. Well, um, I just want to thank you so much for your time, John, today. And what's, the the name bo- of, what's the name of the book again? The book is The End of Work, Why Your Passion Can Become Your Job. You can find it on Amazon, and I will be posting links for your book. Um, so thank you so much Wonderful. for your time. Yeah, I and we'll, may- we'll probably have to have you back, because I think Tom would really enjoy talking to you about this. Anytime. I'd love to. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, thank you so much for your time, and we will be back on The Tom Bernard Show.